welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, the official podcast of MASH, the Marietta Atheist, Skeptics, and Humanists. I'm Don, and along with my co-hosts Jeff and Jerry, we'll bring you a bi-weekly look into the crazy world of religion from the perspective of three older, straight, cisgendered, monogamous, married white guys from the Bible Belt. Just remember, don't believe anything you hear on this podcast, or anywhere else for that matter, until you have taken the time to independently verify it for yourself. In other words, Google that shit. Havens. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. I'm Jerry. And I'm Ashley. Whoa, whoa, wait. What? <laughs> Who let her in? So, what happened here? All right. A little housekeeping. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking sexist. <laughs> housekeeping right after Ashley. Yeah, the, pa- the patriarchy is strong with you. No, but Don's the one doing the housekeeping, so yes. it all balances out. <laughs> he does have a nice little... We have we have a, a fourth heathen with us tonight. We have Ashley, who does our book club for us. She's one of the organizers with MASH, and uh, she has graciously agreed to come on and join us for tonight's show. But that kind of changes the intro a, a little bit. I guess we need to re- run down. It's older. You don't ask a woman her age, so we, we got to leave that one alone. You're all older than me. That's Straight. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, cisgendered. Yes. Monogamous. Well, you, oh, hold on, let's back up. Really married, married? Not married. Okay, monogamous, none of your goddamn business. Right. right? White chick from, you're from the Bible. You're, you're, you're born and raised here in the Bible Belt. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go around here. Uh, what, what were we partaking of? What liquid libation do we have for us tonight, Jeff? Well, tonight I'm having the Evil Twin Brewing Company, even more Cocoa Jesus. Because, you know, just some cocoa is not enough. You need even more. Even cocoa. more. So dark Jesus. It's an imperial stout with maple syrup and cocoa. Oh, wow! Cool. So, wow! Yum! That sounds good. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and Jerry? No, Ash. I am having a, a red wine blend from California called <sighs> Mojave Rain from my wine club, Bright Cellars. Uh, delivered that to my house a couple Ding. months ago. Promo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm doing a Founders Breakfast Stout. In a Bud glass. Nice. A Bud Daytona glass. That's true. That might be the same Bud Daytona glass from the earlier episode. You know, and when, when I go in there, it's it's dark in the garage, to, and so I just grab one, and yeah. it always comes up. It's kind of a miracle. There's a Braves glass in there, I do believe. It does not attract my hand for some reason. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, and it's nice to have a second wine drinker on the we're podcast. Balanced now. Two beers, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. It's, it's been like sixty-seven thirty-three here for a while. I drink wine, uh, wine too. You never bring any. This is this, this this is a Chateau Saint Michel. Little story behind this wine: We did a casino night. Uh, me and the wife worked at. They had one of those deals where it was a twenty-dollar wine cart where you got mm-hmm. a bottle of wine. And apparently every wine was $20 or more. Uh, some of them were much more. Uh, but you went home with at least a $20 bottle of wine. I, I'm not a wine snob, but I do have a wine app. And this is a $13 bottle of wine. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> See, I have donated things like and when I donate, I always make sure I get at least a $50 bottle. Well, well that's the way I figured it. I was like, yeah. it's, I'm a donation. But they came up, and I'm not going to say who the, who, who the client was. I don't want to hurt, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> who the cheap ass but, is. Yeah, <laughs> some, somebody came up, and they go, here's the wine you want. So I think the person that donated the most uh, probably got the, the really good $100 bottle of wine or whatever. And, yeah, and me, the, the hired help. <laughs> There you go. I got the 13. Oh, that was the leftover they didn't actually put in the wine pool yeah. and just gave you as a I think they pulled this from behind yes. the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some good news. A little follow-up on our last podcast. We did a little fundraiser at the Festivus party. Uh, Jeff's got some information for us. Yeah, so on our last podcast, we were talking about 
ways to raise money over the holidays, like Salvation Army you had the bell ringers out there. A lot mm -hmm. of us are kind of hesitant giving to those kind of groups. It's like, so what can we as non-theists give to? So we decided for our group to find a, a local group to give to. And so we came up with Lost and Found, which is an LGBTQ teen homeless shelter here in Atlanta. And so they have a, a place where you can donate funds to them. So we raised $607.52 for that group. We had a $500 uh, that goal, goal that we were going for. Which I just thought. That's yeah. great. We set that up. We let everybody know at the Festivus party. The Festivus party was a week after we posted our, our last mm -hmm. podcast. Within what, a week? Um, yeah, about a week. Within a week, we'd hit the 500 and and, and have since the gone over. Went over it. And so, yeah, helping out the, uh, the, the folks down there so, at Lawson Found. Found. Putting our money where our mouths are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As, as non Yes, mm -hmm. it, it's still you know when we're when we're ringing a bell outside of a Kroger, then you'll know we've like really arrived. But small I'll, steps. I'll do that. I'll find a little bucket to, yeah. for lost and found. It got to that point where we challenged a local Walmart or a Kroger, and they probably wouldn't let you. I don't think they the would, initial reaction. I don't would think be, they, uh, they would let you. Yeah. But if they were forced to boot the Salvation Army guy out in order for you not to be there. Oh, Which yeah. Which is completely plausible. Would you think that's a success or would you think that's a fail? Well, I think I would present it differently. I, I, I think I would do it not as you an agent. You to change the question. <laughs> I think it would be best be settled a la Saturday Night Live when Justin Timberlake is on there doing the battle with the Santa for the donations. Have you guys seen that? Not seen that. See, I no. think that's what it should be. Is have battle this, the Santa. Yes, have it done right, that way. Yeah. <laughs> We would win that. <laughs> we would. We would. Yes. I think we would win. Would it be worth it for an atheist like you? Like it happens all the time. It happened. In, we talked about it in Blue Ridge. Mm -hmm. That person put the atheist or free thinker sign in a public park, and they ended up taking everything out because yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah. want his in there. But I'm saying this would be set up differently. Let's let's say we we co-opted with Lost and Found to do like a bucket kind of donation thing in conjunction with them. So it's not, I mean, we're atheists collecting the money, but we're doing it on their behalf. So it's for that organization. Because I don't but think you can still, put a bucket out but, just for... No, you're but still Jerry, pushing somebody yeah, out. Jerry's point is, if Walmart had to make a choice between Lost letting found. Salvation Army do it and letting us do it, or neither could do it, would we say that neither is... Is better than... Better because, than because that is a, that is a plausible outcome... I mean, obviously, and it's easier for Walmart. I mean, obviously, both would be the best outcome. Mm -hmm. But is neither? Are we heartless? A, are we heartless yes. enough to say? And or, I say that in or, air quotes that nobody listening to us can see. Um, yeah. Are you heartless for, for, for wanting it to happen? I don't think it would be a great trade-off. But I would also be pissed off that they that they didn't let us. Because of yeah, but what I'm the, saying are non-beliefs. But it wouldn't. But I'm not. I'm saying we're we're setting it up differently. So we're going in as an LGBTQ organization. We're raising money for. So mm -hmm. that's who you're going against. So Salvation Army, which has had a history of being anti, they've mm -hmm. changed that. Mm -hmm. Versus a lost and found, you know, queer organization. That's who we're going against. So I mean, the atheist thing is not really part of that discussion. So, so why are you hiding it? Huh? Why are you? Why are you? Are you I'm not. You, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to hide it. But I'm saying, you know, we're not just raising money for atheists. We're raising money for that group. Mm -hmm. So now, if a Walmart or a, or a Kroger said, "Oh, I'm sorry, we not we don't raise money for for queer people," that would be newsworthy. That that you're going to get some pushback. Regard. So even if a Baptist church wanted to do that, it would and. For a gay mm -hmm. charity, which would probably never happen, but let's pretend right. it would. Well, or say yeah. a and progressive said, church. Right, and they said no. Then to your point, it's like, wait, so now they're discriminating against the people who were benefiting from what right. this is. And yeah. that's what yeah. But a typical outcome is they sweep the whole place clean, and then you look like the ogre that pushed out the Salvation Army Santa. And is that worth it? I mean, it's a challenging question, but it, I don't have the answer either. Because I could, I could make a point... Probably, I could make a point on both sides. Mm -hmm. I understand why would you kick us us out. Right. Mm -hmm. But they have been there for a long time. They've never been challenged. They've never been Nothing. asked for no. somebody else to they be. No. That I know of. Right. But yeah. yeah. Right. 
Christmas. Next year. Christmas project. Next year yes. we have something, or this year actually, we yeah. have something to do. One of the stories we want to talk about this week was something that happened right towards the end of the year. Cardinal Bernard Law of Boston passed away. And just a, just a quick synopsis for anybody who may, if you don't know who Cardinal Bernard Law is, Google stop that, listening to this podcast right now. Put us on pause and go watch Spotlight and come back and hit play. A uh, quick rundown. Basically, he was the Catholic Cardinal of the city of Boston. Basically oversaw the shuffling of pedophile priests throughout the Archdiocese of Boston uh, and was aware uh, of the situation long before it came to light and continued to move these predators from one parish to another parish, unbeknownst to the parishioners. And when the the spotlight investigative team of the, of the Boston Globe uncovered all this, instead of standing trial uh, for his actions in Boston and being accountable, he hot-tailed it over to the Vatican. Sadly, this is not the worst part of the story. It gets worse. He was given a job, and then upon his passing, Instead of under the, the light of the moon burying him unceremoniously in a pauper's grave, he was given full Vatican honors. And our progressive Pope, Pope Francis, old Frank, Francis, Frank. Frank, did not say anything to the continent. He, he kind of went right along with it. Gave him a glowing review, basically. Meanwhile, hundreds? Thousands? Thousands of children that grew up in the Archdiocese of, of Boston for years uh, were, were just brushed aside. You know what's, it, what's interesting to me, me is, is I'm still Facebook friends with a lot of people that are progressive Christians. And in the past, he was their great hope for, you know, uh, moving the Catholic Church forward. The Pope? The Pope, yeah. The, the current one. The current one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. Not, not the one not, that was before him no, but who was put safe. there... No, purposely no, no. to take care of all this at the mm-hmm. highest level. No, I'm saying Pope And then Francis. resign, which was something that no pope in the history of the church had ever done before. Right, right, yeah. There's only one way you leave pope, being horizontal room temperature and being carried out of the room. But this guy has an apartment there at the... Yeah, he's Ratzinger's still, still around. Ratzinger, I love that name. But anyway, so, so you know, these progressive Christians were you know, always so excited about this Pope Frank, and, and he was going to change things. He was going to move the church away from, you know, gay bashing and all this stuff. And when this thing happened, crickets. Silence. Crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that kind of disappointed me. It is disappointing, but it's not that surprising when you look at the um, commission in Australia that just did this big study on child abuse. And specifically, or a large portion of that had to do with abuse in religious institutions. They came back with like 400 and some odd, I think was the number of recommendations. Because something like 61% of the abuse victims that they talked about were affiliated with the Catholic Church or abuse that happened in, in Catholic institutions. One of the recommendations that they made was that if child abuse is reported in confession, that it not be allowed to not report under mandatory reporting. It's not privileged conversation. It's not privileged anymore. And the other thing they recommended was, you know, consider dropping the celibacy requirement for priests. Mm -hmm. And they're basically saying that the confessional is inviolable, and we would strongly encourage someone to tell that they were a pedophile or had abused somebody, but they would not, they'd rather go to jail than break the confidentiality of the confessional. And then with celibacy, well, it happens in other groups that don't require celibacy. But it is still disheartening to me that children, especially, are still being put as collateral damage in Mm -hmm. in something like, you could do something to help children and you're still choosing to let some canon override that. I still think that as a church, the Catholic Church has a long way to go um, for supporting children. The evangelical church, the Jehovah's Witnesses, have a long way to go with supporting victims as well. But that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But I just don't want to isolate it to Catholics. It's not only Catholics where it's right. an issue. Were your progressive friends, though, 
what did they expect? I, I really don't. I really don't know because um, I never got into deep conversations with him about that. But I think you know they thought he was going to be able to change some of the you know like the celibacy thing. I think that was one thing. So that they, they they do understand that it's been around for how long? Two thousand years. So. It's an organization that is, to a huge fault, steeped in tradition. Oh, absolutely. You think? Just a little. Yeah. That and fancy outfits. And there was just 20-plus years of hardcore rule. John Paul II. Second. Second two. The first one lasted a month. Right. The second one was here forever. He was hardcore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he He was a... Dude took a bullet. No bullshit. <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. He was a rejection, and this will this could give you like you know like you might twitch when you hear okay. this. But this is post Vatican II, John twenty three, liberal hippie church, and he was absolutely a moved just like just like in politics because the church pre political place mm-hmm. absolutely swung to the conservative side and has been that way for decades. The current pope is not going to be able not only to change that, but he's not going to be able to move the Catholic Church out of all these hidebound... There's just there's no way that's going to happen fast. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, I, I kind of understand, as I kind of studied Catholicism, you guys would know more, but it's like those kind of things. I, I think you called it a canon or whatever, but, you know, those are pretty much locked in. The social gospel has been kind of a Catholic thing. The only thing that Pope Francis has done is put a spotlight over there. He's kind of, you know, dimmed the light over here on this other stuff, the stuff that's always been there, and just put a light over here. So my progressive friends have thought, well, look, they're shifting. No, you know, the social gospel has always been there for the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. You know, they're... Mm, it didn't get talked about. But it, it's it been didn't there, get talked right. about pretty much mm, kind of ever. It depends until on, now. on the Pope. And so I, I just saw the writing on the wall. Is All this guy is doing is, is just highlighting over here. That'll keep the younger people, you know, that are all about social activism and stuff like that, kind of mm-hmm. keep them in the church while you're kind of keeping the other stuff going on behind the curtain, hoping nobody noticed. So you wear a couple of hats. We all wear a couple of hats. The non-theist, atheist, humanist, whatever, mm-hmm. and then some version of progressive politics. Right. I think that's pretty consistent around the table. Mm-hmm. So Pope Francis does the things that a lot of people would want to do, and celibacy, and acknowledge past sins and moves the church a little more towards progressive politics. Yeah, like he was... Yay, a, yay, but yay pro, Pope Francis or still Catholic? Still got yeah. honor of God. Yeah. How much do you love him for it? If he does everything you want your progressive politics hat to do and then your atheist hat is, hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, a good example of that is he had, I can't remember what you call it, but some kind of a... a, a a paper on climate change. It's cyclical. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's a good term. So yay that. But did it make a sh- you know a shit a difference? Do you, do you get points for effort? But as your progressive person, your progressive hat says yeah. But he's still Catholic. Still. Mm-hmm. It, it's all there. So how much do you support him? What happens if more people become Catholics because of that? It's a bad. And, it's a bad thing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Other deaths, uh, notable deaths of 2017. I kind of got them broken up in, 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 in little groups. The first is uh, mostly like actors, actresses, that kind of thing. Bill Paxson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who were together on True Love on uh, on HBO. Big Love. Big Love. True Love. Big Love. Too many loves. Yeah. A lot of love. All big, about, all it about the love. It was not True Love. Yeah, it was not True Love. Yeah. Love. True Love was the crappy <laughs> vampire. That was true blood. True blood. Yes. What was true love? I think you're making that up. It's HBO's (laughs) new show coming out September. uh, Yes, uh, Big Love. Big Love. Big Love. Awesome show. Run down the list here. Sam Shepard passed away this last year. John, both John Hurt and John Hurt passed away Mm -hmm. this this last year. Uh, John Hurt was the father in Home Alone. Yeah. A lot of people remember him by that. 007, Roger Moore. Passed away this last year. And Batman, Adam West, Mary Tyler Moore, Mm -hmm. and Rosemary, who were both on the Dick Van Dyke show way back when. Uh, And both badasses. 
Yeah. Both and, badasses, especially Rosemary. And, and now, on that because I don't know who Rosemary is, but a dear friend of mine told me <gasps> not that young. That, oh yeah. Um, no. There, there were parts of my life that reminded him of Mary Tyler Moore, like from her TV show. And I never watched it. Uh, oh, it was a little before show. my time. Yeah, this was. So I went oh, this was even before that. Yeah, so yeah. I went back and started now, watching it. Now, now I consider that quite a compliment. Now, for yeah. me personally, <laughs> Rosemary is the first one on the list that falls into the what the fuck you mean she was still alive list. I mean, it was. There's a and, number of people and, and, and on, on this list that's like, holy shit, that yeah. person was still alive. I, I mean, she was on a show that I watched as a kid that was in black and white, and she was... How old was Rosemarie on the Dick, Dick Van Dyke show? I'm not a good... 30s, junior. 40s? Maybe 30s. Yeah. yeah, so... How old was she when she was the, one of the squares on Hollywood Squares? Oh. How old was she then? In her <laughs> That's 40s? the 70s. Yeah. That's she the 70s. She seemed like she was yeah. old. Oh, yeah. yeah. She always had that time. old kind of voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's kid, who yeah. she was. Okay. I had to Google her. Google Images. Also from childhood TV, Jim Neighbors, Gomer Pyle, yeah. Aaron Moran. Right which they said they canceled the show. What's they that? canceled canceled Gomer, Gomer Pyle mm-hmm. because he was gay. Did he come out way back then? He didn't come out. He got but found it, out, basically. Or, okay. And there was oh, some wow. rumor about him oh. and Rock Hudson. There's a real. I, I saw this as on Twitter. It's a terrific huh. article about Jim Neighbors. But then. He sang back home in Indiana. Yeah, at, at, at the, in Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the yeah. most conservative oh, yeah, yeah. sporting yeah. event outside the Daytona 500. Yeah, it, they were everyone was cool with it. I never knew Jim Gaber, Neighbors was gay. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. never knew. Mm-hmm. You learn something new every day. Aaron Moran, Moran, how do you say it? Moran, 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 how do you say it? I said Moran, Chachi. but I don't know. Yeah, Chachi, Joni, Joni and Chachi. Yeah. Uh, Joni loves Chachi. Della Reese. From, uh, what was it, Touched by an touched Uncle? By an I mean, Touched by an Angel? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and many other things. Yes, but yeah. Uh, she was a Unitarian Universalist really? minister, I believe. Really? Oh, yes, no I believe she was ordained in the Universal... Oh, you Google that shit, yeah. we'll move right along. Robert Guillaume. Oh, yeah. Benson. Benson. Uh, from Benson and Soap. He did yeah. the voice of uh, one of the characters in The Lion King later on. Yep. I don't know. I have never watched The Lion Rafiki. King. Rafiki. Rafiki. Thank you for the cultural reference. Another guy that, that no doubt saw more than his fair share of shit. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. In that industry. Uh, in, in sports, uh, Dick Inberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, announcer passed away. Uh, Jake LaMotta. Second one in the holy shit. He's still alive group. That's me. 1922, Jake LaMotta was born. He was 95 years old. This guy passed away less than three months ago. Are you shitting me? Yeah, how many times did he get his head beat? The Raging Bull was a movie that was an old movie when I saw it. And like, like teen years. And part of that movie was when Jake LaMotta was like in his 60s and was a fat lounge comedian. Comedian's. Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's brother, passed away. He was on the Chappelle show. Hmm. And, um, I'm not familiar with him. Google this, find this, watch this. It's on Hulu, I believe. Write it down. Black Jesus. Jesus, 2017, in Compton. And Charlie Murphy was the landlord of the apartment community that, that Jesus and all his homeboys. This is on Netflix in. now? It's on Hulu, I believe. Oh, that's why. It so. is hilarious. And, and the funny thing about that show, kind of rabbit-holing here a little bit, when that show came out, the evangelicals obviously oh, went sure. jack. Oh, she sure. went yeah. batshit crazy. Jesus wasn't black. But, the thing that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not just that, not just that. Um, he was a white Swede. Oh. Well, the, thing, the thing about the show is if you watch the show and actually the Jesus character is totally positive. The whole thing. Everybody else around him is trying to run a scam or selling weed or whatever. There's something, you know, uh, shady about everybody except Jesus is all about the positive, all about the love. And it's funny because he refers to God as Pops. I don't know, man. Pops. I gotta talk to Pops. You know? <laughs> so yeah, do yourself a favor and find Black Jesus and, and watch it. Also, uh, Dick Gregory. He's been around forever. Another uh, of now, I knew he was alive still. He kind of came out of pioneer. the 60s. Pioneer. He was a, yeah. yeah, he was a pioneer of, of, of black comedians back in the 60s. Right, but he took a strong turn to the political. Yes. Yes, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Big time. Yep. Uh, moving on to, to music. Tom Petty. Oh. Yeah. That was a hard one. That was, yeah. That was like the music of my era. There's some deaths that you see them, not that you see them coming, but when you hear about them, you go, yeah, I can see that. 
you know, Tom Petty was a shocker. That was yeah. that, that was out of, of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Greg Allman. Yeah. Yeah. Two suicides in music last year. Uh, Chris Cornell, oh. singer for Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, mm-hmm. uh, Audio Slave. Heartbreaking. Yeah, one of the the best vocalists in in, in rock history. Another one of the great vocalists in in rock history, uh, Chester Bennington from uh, Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. That one, my wife. She took that one really, really tough. That was... You know, it's interesting that, that it seems like musicians really strike people harder than anything else, like actors or comedians or whatever on the list. It's like yeah, music, pe- if you attach to that music, it becomes... People enjoy movies and books and other forms of entertainment on a different level than I think they do music. Mm-hmm. Uh, music is a much more of an emotional connection right, right. with an artist mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or a group. Is it selfish to say, though, that part of the reason it hits you is it's like, damn it, they're never going to make another song. Yeah. 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 That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, but it's also all the things that their music's been a part of your life. Malcolm Young. ACDC rhythm oh, guitarist. Oh, yeah. Malcolm Young. Yeah. 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 Oddly enough, within a, within a couple of weeks of, of, or maybe even a couple of days of one another, last year we lost both Chuck Berry and Chuck Barris. Which means Chuck Barrington was like nervous as shit for a while. <laughs> now, uh, I've got four more, and they don't really fall into any category other than their own category. Th- these, are, these are men that, uh, that, that walk to the beat of their own drum, so to speak. Monty Hall from uh, Let's Make a Deal. Oh, yeah. We lost Monty. Uh, who's got a boiled egg in their purse? Anybody got a boiled egg? $100 <laughs> for a boiled egg. Judge Wapner Aww. from the People's Court. Yeah, yeah. that was another one I, I did not realize... That, that Mr. Wapner, he was 90, I'm throwing a number out there. I'm going with 97. I'm going to say that's Judge right. Wapner was 97. But you can Google that shit. You can Google that shit. Charles Manson. I did a paper on him in college. So. What, what grade did you get? <laughs> An A. There you go. All right. There you go. <laughs> and, in, and in my defense, I have to, this is really kind of a funny story. I did this paper on him. It was a seminar on utopian societies. I did it the second semester of my senior year. And I chose to write about a dystopia. And then I was interviewing for my first job out of grad school with one of the big consulting companies. And long story short, I ended up talking about Charles Manson in a job interview, which if you've never done that before, <laughs> that'll get you hired. It's a little bit awkward Don't. to yeah. talk about Charles Manson in a job you brought interview. That up? I, they asked about my favorite class, and it was this particular <laughs> class. And then it just kind of went from there, and I still got a job offer. Got one more. Hugh Hefner. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. lot of, lot of, yeah. Both yeah. yay and nays for, for, for Hugh. Right, yeah. Um, there, did we not hear the good riddance and the two thumbs down? Yeah. The, did the mic pick that up? Yeah. I certainly picked it up. So let's hear it. Yeah. Hugh Hefner. Good riddance. <laughs> two thumbs down. <laughs> two, two, two thumbs emphatically down for Hugh Hefner. Well, I, I get why he's lauded for what he's lauded but I've heard too many stories about after effects of being involved in all of that that have happened on people that just you know that gets into a separate discussion being a a living bunny at the Playboy Mansion is not healthy you're saying I'm saying for some people that would probably not be healthy. For other people it would probably be great but for some people it would probably not be healthy. And it doesn't also feel like a choice sometimes. Yeah. There's a certain level of coercion. I, I think that might be the case. No. And feels like you're saying that if you were to come in the proximity of one Hugh Hefner, you might get a little residue on you at some point. I don't know. I, I it, He was probably a very charming, um, charismatic person to talk to. I, I just think that maybe his legacy is going to be it's, more complicated. It's, than it, complicated, complicated is a very good word. Than yes. just yeah. the Playboy, um, not magazine, he, but Playboy lifestyle thing. That well, he, because he I left. think I think part of that was was that was part of the the sexual revolution where it kind of opened away from the prudishness right. of the fifties right. for dudes. But yeah, right, for right, dudes. right. But then later on, they came out with Play. Girl. Hey. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. It's never had the same. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, no. I know. But, but I, just, I think is I think I think the the stories on his death went out of their way to call out some of the more journalistic and first amendmenty things. But mm-hmm. I think it's, I think they called it out maybe to the 
you know, like we don't really want to talk about the other stuff because yeah, that right, wouldn't be right. quite as good a story. Yeah, I think I think his legacy would be what's the what's the wrong side of old school? What's worse than you know old school could have a, has a certain charm, and then it becomes like your grandfather Freaky. that yeah. swears beyond nostalgic. Know? Yeah, you know, yeah, where yeah. where Just, they they say things they say terms and you know they have attitudes that mm-hmm. were. Of a way gone era. Yes. Yeah, I think that's Archaic where he. And yes, yeah, very much. Archaic is a good one. I think yeah. his lifestyle. He was, he was a product of his time, and when he passed away, he had been marginalized in society for the most part. And, and there was a couple of stories that we wanted to touch on. The first one, really towards the more towards the end of the year, was the uh, embassy move that we have proposed mm-hmm. to move our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. So I'm assuming this is strictly a logistical issue. We just get a couple of Mayflower trucks, you know, move some furniture. And everybody's Easy peasy. We're cool. Everybody's with yeah, it's everybody's good. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Back up the moving yeah. truck. I personally feel like this is a direct pandering to specifically an evangelical base because moving to Jerusalem to start some other things is what has to be done to bring on Armageddon. So it's, there's a practical consideration. It reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, the, don't pay attention to, to the man behind the curtain right. who is dismantling your democracy while your good friend Captain Orange over here is getting you back in touch with your imaginary friend. Well, at the same time, the whole um, tactic that we took with the UN, which is we were taking names on this, which... I get to an extent. If I continually help you out and you've done nothing for me, eventually I'm going to write you off. But to blatantly say it in such a bullying, you play how we want you to play or else, mm-hmm. I, I don't think is well received. No, and on this point, too, you know, that the rest of the world is pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. was on board with us that this is kind of a touchy issue. Because this is a holy city not just to the Jews, but to right. Christianity mm-hmm. and to Islam. So that's kind of the dicey thing, and they're all kind of claiming Jerusalem is their their holy city, so... So I thought it was very interesting, the list of people who abstained, or the list of countries who abstained from Mm -hmm. voting in support of the resolution, and the uh, countries that actually did stand up and say, we hear what you're saying, and we're still telling you you're wrong. I think that's very... I think the whole thing was was undignified. Yes. I think that this... That's a great Her speech, and I I just thought about it, because it bugged me, because watching that kind of scoldy, school-marmy, full of themselves, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just, you know, you got something to say. You can say it, and people say it at the UN, but you could do it clumsily and kind of buffoonish, or you could get somebody really good to write a speech, and then every once in a while just, like, people don't realize they just got stabbed in the back. And having just been out of the country for a, a week or so... Not a lot of conversation about politics, thankfully, because I was on vacation. But we're taking a big hit on credibility and respect in other countries. Uh, I'm sure. The people who I encountered who wanted to talk about this at all were just not impressed with us at all. Well, the worst part of that, too, is that over here... The people that that support it think it's great. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like they think it's great. Like they don't they don't care, and they actually encourage it. The evangelicals you're talking about, uh, you Trump talking? supporters uh, is who he's talking about. Yeah, right wingers. You know, for our yeah. intents and purposes, yeah. It's disheartening. It is. Mm-hmm. If you're really not going to realize what you missed until it's gone, and it's not easy or quick to get back, and that's the biggest mm-hmm. fear. But that we'll never get it back is my fear. Once you've ruined this credibility of the U.S., they're going to like doubt even our next president. Yeah, I think you know we're going to have a credibility issue for decades because of this. The other oh, really man. big story uh, that happened this last year was the Me Too movement. Time. Hashtag Me Too. Person of the year. It's important for a number of reasons, not the least of which is I don't know. I know of only maybe two women who can't say that they have their own Me Too story in the way that it was. But the reason that I felt like... Then you know the only two, if you know two. Yeah, the thing that I felt was sort of relevant to our particular group is that on a a recent podcast that that you guys did, you were talking about Kim Davis. 
and there's a lot of bad things to be to say about Kim Davis. And one of you went immediately to her looks. Oh. And Uh-oh. I was like, I know you guys. I know that's not Wait. how you think. I know that you don't qualify and classify women that way. But so I was started thinking like, you know, we consider ourselves progressives. Should we be better at the ways that we choose to classify and talk about people when we want to insult them? Because from a female perspective... You know, I don't think that anytime somebody does it, they're like, oh my God, they hate all women or whatever. I think it's something that's more ingrained in our subconscious. But there's not, like, if you want to insult a woman, you always go to her looks or her weight. You, you go to one of those two things. You don't call her dumb. You don't call her you know, any other number uh, of things. You do. Not d- usually d- first. D- ditzy. <laughs> but it's ditzy. Not, not generally first. Blonde. And if you go with ditzy, it's usually associated with something else with her looks, like the color the of her hair yeah. and, <laughs> and, and all of that. And there's not that equivalent that women give to men, for sure. Well, and I can't speak for all women on this at, at you all. You have to. You, you know? speak for you. But yeah. I, I have to speak for me, which is the, the thing is that the examples that I see, and, and obviously I'm very self-centered when I, because I see them only as me, I see them from the perspective of sometimes being the only, literally the only woman at the table. Tonight. You um, are the only woman at the table. Yeah. <laughs> but also in a lot of work, in, in, in a lot mm-hmm. of work situations where things, where I have coworkers who, you know, are lauded for, my male coworkers in the past have been lauded for taking off and going to their child's birthday party. While the female co-workers who leave early to go to their child's birthday party are, oh my God, she's gone again for that damn kid. You know, and so there's this subtle double standard. And my personal example for this is I might in the past have looked at someone to say, oh, this Asian person was helping me out at the store Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I've deliberately made an effort now to not talk about people that way. To be more like the person in the green shirt with the dark hair and glasses and, and not just look at the thing that's most different from me to what's what's the quickest pigeonhole I can shove this person into right yeah. and, and so I've made a conscious effort to not do that and maybe I'm doing it overkill I don't know but I, I just think that if the first thing that I'm seeing is color that probably comes from a place of privilege that I need to be cognizant of if the first thing that I see is gender that's probably something that I'm cognizant of because I'm the minority in that situation but um, i mean the other yeah. thing we talked about this at our deep dive yes uh, meetup which was a, an amazing experience but i mean there what we were kind of talking about is we are as a species tribal by nature in other words mm-hmm. we we sort you know in group out group, in group absolutely right, yeah. So, yeah. so who's you know not necessarily a threat but you know that's subconsciously how we think about things so who's in our group who's out of our mm-hmm. group so we need to just be more aware that that's what our tendency is as a species. So rise above that. I mean, you know, kind of like engage your brain a little bit before you speak. And that's, that's a difficult thing to do. Okay. I get it. And I get it. When but... you notice somebody for the first time, what are you allowed to notice? You're allowed to notice anything. You are not. You are not. You shouldn't. You shouldn't buy the color of their skin. You shouldn't necessarily buy their sex. That you get, you know, because it implies judgment. And I get that. But what are you allowed to notice about somebody? And you said, like, oh, that guy wearing the green shirt. It feels strained. It does. And not natural. And that's where it invites conservative ridicule. Not that we should dwell on it, especially as a white guy. The Yes, the black guy. Can't say blacks. You have to say African American, which which also sounds strange and is not as universal as it was. But what can you say to notice somebody without getting chided for it or sounding like you're bending over backwards and you just you sound dumb by saying oh, that guy with the brown belt? So I I don't think we solved that problem in in the deep dive. I think what we damn it. <laughs> you would have thought with everybody there, we probably could have. We had quite a trust there. Yeah, really, yeah. We, yeah. We did. just That's, ask us. You know, um, so close. But I, I think what we what we called out in it is that there is this pervasiveness of a subtle because we're talking about the Me Too movement and patriarchy in particular at this deep dive misogyny in a lot of ways that goes on and and by you saying okay. 
you're the chick at the table. That doesn't offend me. I don't feel like that's a misogynistic for you to say to me. But when you look at it in the Me Too movement, I mean, I had a manager who was inappropriate to me. We heard a story that another person in our group told that, that the three of us who heard it have all said we were incredibly impacted by what she said. And, and what we realize is that there's this, there's still this, you know, one thing that we talked about is why didn't she come forward when it happened? And until you've been in the situation, you can't really answer that question. And that's where it ties back to me, to the patriarchy, to potentially evangelical Christians, to conservative parts of many other major religions, is that there's still this culture of victim blaming that goes on with all of it. And now we're taking it because we realize that that piece of it is going on. We're beginning to take it perhaps to an almost other extreme to, to your point, Jerry, of like, what can you say? What can you do? Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're trying to squeeze a lot of change into a short amount of time. And it almost feels like there needs to be almost like a grieving process. Yeah. Because particularly for for people who haven't been able to talk about something mm-hmm. or had something inside that was kind of eating away and it comes out, that's got to be acknowledged. But you still have to act in the now, too. Right. So how do you kind of... Create the new rules while acknowledging the mistakes of the past. and Because those things colliding, it's messy. Well, and that's part of the problem, too, is I think, is there is no guiding authority that's steering this conversation. It's right. all up to individuals. Sounds like there needs to be a religion. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing we talked about at the deep dive, too, right? There used to be words that we used, like retarded, when we were talking about people who were mentally challenged or mentally handicapped mm-hmm. or whatever. And very suddenly, like even within my lifetime, that's not a word you use anymore. And um, I am, in a lot of ways, unknowingly. Yeah. Like you, you said it for, that's why I have, have sympathy for like the 70, 80 year old people that. Yeah. Just right. 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 And they still get a yeah. buy. Right. Yeah. Right. In my opinion, right. they still they, get a buy. Yeah. 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 Depends sure. upon small, what. Maybe small b. You learn by saying it and then having somebody. Bam, it happened to me. Called me out. And it was like, oh, I get it. I didn't realize. I swear to God, I didn't know. And now I'm going to feel terrible about it because you got in my face like I was supposed to know something that I didn't. I I was, you know, like, think of it later. You probably could have told me that in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I I didn't realize I was stepping in shit. And I think, yeah. too, there's kind of an avalanche of things right now where we're hearing things that were so egregious. I saw an article this week from a paper in Alabama that talked about how somebody oh. who was in the publishing oh. family for so the Aniston Star or something, one of the papers Statewide there, network. that um, it was the publisher and editor literally spanked female employees in the newsroom. And when did this happen? The 1970s. 70s. Okay. 1975, right. I think, was one of the first incidents that I saw of it. This was done in front of other employees, or this there was happened, done privately? This it was, was on a... The, so when the article I read, the first incident, it was on a Saturday morning in mm-hmm. the newsroom. There happened to be another person there who saw it go on. It wasn't a regular weekday where there yeah. the entire thing would have been full. But... I think when you hear these things that are so egregious, it also unleashes sort of a torrent of other things that are like, that wasn't right. You know, or the time that you have your manager, when you text your manager in the morning to say, hey, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to work from home this morning, and they text you back with, well, maybe you just need a belly rub, or maybe you should take the meeting in your silk pajamas. I'm sorry, what? It's uncomfortable and, and isn't the violation of any law. Not exactly sure what context right. that particular That's statement. That's not a normal thing to say to someone. Yeah. So. It's not a professional thing to say to No. Guy. And like we were talking about at the, at the meetup, too, I mean, a lot of this you have to kind of take in context. You have to know context the person. Context is so important. That you're, yeah. that you're having conversations with and, you know, what their intention is and mm-hmm. all that. Well, so. and that's that's the whole thing when I heard the Kim Davis thing. I was like, I know you guys. I know how you meant it. But just a regular listener to the show. Or a new listener. Or a new yeah, listener new to listen, the show yeah. mm-hmm. who may not know you guys. May have taken it the wrong way. Might have taken it the wrong I mean, Bono. Y'all know I'm a big U2 fan. No, no really? Yeah. Bono put his foot in it last week in an interview with, the, with Rolling Stone where he said music today is too girly. 
Because boys don't have a place to go and be angry. I understand what he's trying to say. Exactly. I, I, have, I know exactly I what he's trying to say. I think he meant pedantic the, and trite and, and soft and any number of things. Girly was probably not the best word for him to choose to use, given the platform he has to speak. That becomes the story rather than the tired state given, of music today. Given the time we're in. We know where Bono stands on a lot of different topics. Very socially progressive. Uh, the fact that he had a poor word choice in an interview it does not change no. my thinking on him not whatsoever. No, but, but we have four episodes. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody coming along listening to episode two or whatever. Oh, there's a lot of misogyny in here. Yeah, I, I can definitely see how that well, would like, turn Well, if I were Allie, yeah. Bono's wife, I'd be like, maybe don't say girliness. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask yeah. this. Has he ever like come out after that and said, maybe I shouldn't have phrased it? Not that, that I've seen. Yeah. But it's only That's, been a little less than a week. So, and he doesn't call me up and tell me all this No, stuff. no, and but I'm mean, still no, trending on Twitter. White was right. pretty <laughs> But yeah, big. that became this, like in everything else that he talked so about what do you in say? article, that so, became So what story. do you say? Well, I would, I would, Instead of girly, what do you say? Tired, pedantic, trite. No. What would no. you say? What would you say? Uh, he's not, because he's not talking about tired, pedantic, and trite. Watered down. Less aggressive. But not, trite would Less aggressive. Effeminate. Nah, I don't know about that. I don't know if he would say that. But I don't know if that's yeah. what he meant. But, but uh, soft, maybe. But that doesn't have to be a female-associated term. Right? Now, was he saying that there's nowhere other than rap for a young man right. to... Wait. A young, angry man In this particular to article, his he voice? did, which sort of surprised me. So I'm like, hello, this is yeah. the perfect time for a punk rejuvenation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I was like, really? But yeah, I mean, the, in this particular article... Angry was, young men screaming and, on and, key. And, and again, I don't phone. know that this is something where the reporter had the recorder out and just transcribed every single thing that was said or if there was some contextual stuff that were that were missing but certainly music has more spots than top 40 radio and hip-hop for someone who feels a little disenfranchised or not sure where to go with their disenfranchise is probably not the right word to mm-hmm. use we're talking about young angry white men because we've had a lot of them in the last few years who've done a lot of things to express their anger like mass shootings and stuff yeah mostly um but there's more than hip-hop available to them sure and there's more than top 40 radio no i I wouldn't say that what radio station plays that here out here anywhere but that stuff's never been played on all the mainstream radio so you have you have an isolated group that's already aggressive and doesn't have a way necessarily to get that aggression out because you know a punk revival great but but punk at the time was misogynistic mm-hmm. and lowbrow mm-hmm. and aggressive and often racist mm-hmm. and often mm-hmm. anti all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it was aggressive and it made iconic music. And at 16, 18, 20, yeah. it hit you in a spot, personally speaking, that like kind of spoke to me just on that aggressive point. Yeah. But that is interesting that, mm-hmm. that yeah, punk was the music of that era. With what was going on there, with with you know the way culture was was situated and all that is so like, what should our music be now? This reflecting where we are now. I don't know, and I'll tell you the other conflict that comes with it for and me that's a personally. Whole other topic, it's like I'm a big fan of, of of Eminem, and arguably a strong number of his lyrics are misogynistic Absolutely. and everything else. But I understand in his case, it's an artistic expression because he's he's saying it rather than acting on it. You have to weed out the dumbasses who think that he really would put somebody in the back of his car and drive off a bridge after drinking a fifth of vodka. It's easy to put a lot of things on the Me Too thing. And I get Me Too and I support it. And I've been there with stuff. But I I also understand the other side of going too far and, and prohibiting artistic expression on things. And... I just think that when we get away with it because our skin color is white or Mm -hmm. our gender is male and and the double whammy of white male, Mm -hmm. then... Or moneyed white male. Yeah. 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 You probably need to be a little more cognizant of what you're saying than if you're truly using art as an outlet for whatever... I think the perfect juxtaposition of this is the national championship game going on. Monday night with Kendrick Lamar playing the halftime show and 45 being in attendance. So I think there's a big generation gap that this young generation of guys 
whether anybody likes it or not, has heard nothing but your privilege and white guys suck. I can't, are stupid and can't do anything, are undeserving, and the context of that is lost on the 15-year-old mind. So I don't condone it. I think it's super harmful, but I understand in a way how it can develop because I got two boys, and they hear that all the time, especially in school. The wrong side of saying this is typical, you don't know what you have, you know, that's what you've always had. Well, it, it ends now. I think a lot of guys that age get it, but they also hear it. I don't think this alt-right and Charlottesville and all that didn't come out of anything. And it could be, well, they're privileged enough to protest, you know, and not, you know, get their heads beat in. And there's a lot of truth to that, too. But where's the line? Bono gets chided for saying girly, and the fact that it becomes a story as opposed to something maybe acknowledged but ignored. Did that need to be as big a story? It didn't. And it caused, but it always is, though. It is, and it caused quite a discussion mm-hmm. within the U2 fan base. So what were the sides? The sides were, it was completely ridiculous, not a big deal should be made. It was the side, uh, so I said, okay, we know what he meant. He probably should have chosen a different word. And this will then be called snowflakes. That were just was it gender batshit crazy over it. Not necessarily. No? Not necessarily. So that, didn't, that wasn't the dividing line between no. the... It was, it was more that, like, we can't be so sensitive to everything that's used. To which I agree to a certain extent. You can agree with um, both sides. Yeah, and you can I, agree, I agree with sensitivity and agree yeah. that I, like, I wish he could have said something else. I completely agree that I know that's not what he meant. I wish he had used better words because now that's the story instead of everything else that he talked about. So his word choice wasn't because he's a sexist. Mm-mm. It's just a cultural kind of... Well, I do think it's a good because I don't think, I, I don't think Ireland is as sensitive to all of this stuff as the U.S. is currently. We're going through it more, and that's, you know, I mean, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up, is we're going through this tipping point, this Me Too, because of Trump. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the pussy grabber. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the other the thing... The pussy grabber in chief. You think so? Well, because I, of him? I, I, I do. I mean, I think that was when you're, when you're born in water, it just kind of boils, 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 and all him, of a sudden... So they're going after people they can go after. Right, right. They can because, go after the Weinstein. Because people went after him, and he still was elected. And so there, so I think, yeah, I think Weinstein and all is like these are people we can try to get. I think the wine, I think mm-hmm. Weinstein, it's finally hard. was crushed by just the the preponderance of the years of mm-hmm. and everything he did. But finally, just but I, finally yeah, I think collapsed. The, all right, so but why is Trump not crushed? He's got how how many accusers at this point? Double digits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna go the first number starts with a two. Mm-hmm. You know. But I think it's a sense of frustration of we elected a person despite this. When dumpster fire is your brand, there's nothing that hurts the brand. You know? Well, the fact that Roy Moore was on a ballot in Alabama. And came close to And came elected. close to winning. 20,000 votes in a state of how many? How many votes were in that total election? Over, well over a million? I don't it was a special, it was, this wasn't the, it was the just long beauty enough contest presidential election. Yeah. But there was, I want to say 600,000 versus 600,000 votes on either side. So roughly half, slightly less than half of the state of Alabama was perfectly fine with sending a child molester to Congress. And there was a time where we would have been like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be on the ballot. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in my soapbox. This is why atheists atheists need to run and say it. And As not an hide behind humanism and not say I'm a nun. Non- just yeah, non-secular. And, you know, especially if, if you believe it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you believe it, like... Yes, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to break that last taboo. Run as an atheist. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily wear it on your sleeve, but when somebody asks you, you, you say, yep. I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. Feel free to believe what you want. I do not. But I do believe in church, in the separation of church and state. There's my elevator pitch. I'm going to mm-hmm. run for something. There you go. <laughs> we will vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> None of you live in my district, unfortunately. <laughs> we can gerrymander that as yeah. you. I mean, come so on. So, 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 oh, gerrymander. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> so so as, as, a, as a lifelong Jerry, when I hear gerrymander, it's very insensitive. 
when I hear the Germans called the Jerry's, or they're going to Jerry. Wait a second, something. I've never heard a German called a Jerry. Uh, that was the. That was the. I've heard him called Kraut. The slang. Jerry's. I watch. I watch every yeah, episode of Hogan's Heroes at least three or four times. I never once heard a Germans referred to as Jerry's. That is. Well, that's a very Look, Google authentic. Google that shit. I think you're making that this shit up. That is a very authentic source of all things German. Yes. 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 Hogan, Nazis that's, were two actors. Yes. That's how I knew yeah. all about the World War II was Hogan's Heroes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, that, I'm, I'm glad you have that source for your Stalag 13 World War II edification. <laughs> so I don't like I don't like the use of Jerry, and I'm offended. So I'm going to call the media. Is it all right, Snowflake? Now I'm going out on a limb here. Um, isn't gerrymandered? Isn't gerrymandered spelled with a G? It is. Okay, so yeah, there you go. You don't pronounce it with a G. That's an alternative to spelling. Soft G. You're not saying gerrymander. You're saying gerrymander. But that's a letter that has two different Don't sounds. Don't butt me. My name's Jerry. <laughs> C, I know. See, there's a hard C. There's a soft C. Just you know, there's we a soft to, G. We have to do that at our hard English G. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to completely steer away because we were, we you were in mid chide and we delicately steered it away from being chided. So yes, if we're you not were... done being chided. We should. We, no, we I, hear I, that think, out. I think I think I can. We can we go out and play, mommy? Yes, okay. I, think, I think I made my point, <laughs> which right. is words matter, and we Absolutely. should think about them, and we should think about the space from which we use them. And we're yeah. in that period. And that, 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 excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. excellent. We're in that period of negotiation right now, and mm-hmm. we need to kind of figure that stuff out. And the thing Shut that, up, old white man. Me, yeah. And let me bring it back to this point, too. Like, Privilege. I oh, like sorry. men. I think men are fun. I like flirting and bantering and stuff with men. I think, Jeff, it was you who made the, the point earlier. Context matters too, yeah, right. and when you mean it in a bad way, we know that. Oh, absolutely! Right. What we were talking about the, at the meetup too was its power is kind of it the, is power is a part of it and everything right. else, and so it's it's a messy thing to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think eventually to. we will get there. Yeah, to every, every and I, I think I said this uh, Tuesday night. Everybody knows people at work that they can play with. Mm-hmm. And people at work that they can't play with. Mm-hmm. Um, Dangerous. Life. Yeah, I know. Say I know. This to not I know. Play with anybody. Exactly. Absolutely. That that would be boring. The dividing line is management. Are, are you over me? Am I over you? To an extent. Then we don't play. To, yeah, that, that's always true. Yeah, but that's the, the easiest one to follow. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. That's the easiest the, one to follow. But there's, I mean, I, I work. I work in a, in, in a company where, on a daily basis, I am interacting with upwards of a hundred other employees. Yeah, um, and I know who I can joke around with and play with, and I know who I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are things that a fellow employee can say to me, and I can banter back with them that I would not banter back with in the same way. Right. With a member of management, I, I'm. Being the the tricky part, or if I was a member of management, I would not banter back to a subordinate. The the tricky part comes when you're all peers. Yes. Well, the other tricky part is your banter. Just let's just say we're coworkers bantering in a way that these two walk by and they're like, they hear our banter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a you know that's a big part of it. I'll tell you, I have it. I'm just talking to you. What are you getting offended about? I'll give you a quick story. I had an interview. The uh, person I was interviewing with, he had my plea file. He's going through. He goes, "There's a thing in here about where you said something in the break room that offended another employee." And I was like, yeah, I know that was brought to my attention at the time that it happened. And I asked, what did I say? And they said, we can't tell you because of retaliation, basically. Now, I can understand the point that you can't tell me who was offended and came forward. I totally understand that point. But when you when you get to the point that you can't tell me what I said that yeah, was should, found to be offensive yeah, you should have a right to know exactly and that's that. and that's what I told the, you learn that's what I told the person I was interviewing with I don't know I can't I can't really speak on this incident because nobody will give me any information on it 
I don't know. Did I drop an F-bomb in the break room? Or did I say, I like Thanksgiving more than I do Christmas? I mean, you know, because there's a lot of he things. It's you know, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of things that could have been said that somebody could have taken in an offensive manner. But this, it would be so, and the reason why they do it, though, is it would be so easy for you or anybody else to put two and two together and, and say, go back to so and so and say, "What's so the big you idea?" Really you ratted me out to exactly, HR? exactly. And that but then is don't bring it up when, yeah. you, when you're in that situation where you can't do anything, but don't bring it up. But there's also, and this is another point that I brought up. There's 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 two people that are involved in a, in, in a conversation. And if somebody that finds that conversation offensive is going to go and say, "So and so and so and so were talking in the break room, and I was offended." Now, how, who's to say that I wasn't the person just shaking my head and saying yes as the other person was talking? Not that, that what I'm call, doing is better it, or the other. If I wanted to cast yes. aspersions on it. Video yes. I exactly. Yes. I would say you were eagerly agreeing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, would say. I, I, I believe I was Billy Bush in that situation is what happened. It's <laughs> <laughs> a verb now. And look what happened. Yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah. And look who still has a job. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The two of the people. Because, and I've heard a lot of stuff, it, you know, kind of expounding on that, that Billy Bush thing. If I'm Billy Bush and I'm in that situation, I'm letting him talk. Right. Because I think he's gonna I'm getting, I'm getting gold on tape. Yeah. You know, at, at this point. Oh, you know? But, that, but that's the whole thing is no, they didn't know they were on tape. Yeah. Those, they didn't realize. They were live mic. He didn't know either. Billy Bush didn't know. They had a microphone attached to themselves. They should know that they're being listened to. If at you have all a recording points. device attached to you, you just yes. assume it's on. Somebody's right, listening. Right. You yes, just right. assume it's yes. on. Yeah. And if, if you're somebody in a club that has cameras on the ceiling, yeah. you assume you're being recorded. Yeah. If you're in an office with cameras on the ceiling, you assume you're being There's recorded. A wire. Pull the wire. When you're going to the restroom. There was two people that were sitting in that mobile home. And one of them said something inappropriate. And the other one has not been able to work since. Yeah, but, but there's, a, there's a lot of issues. Yes. You know. So, it was, it was a, does it matter that it's a private conversation? It shouldn't. It, well, was a, it was a leaked private conversation. It certainly, but there was not, there was definitely not an expectation they were being recorded. No, you like, I, like, like I, we just again, said. You've I got a microphone defending. attached to your body right. to pick up every utterance that comes from you. You can, you can and you Google, know it's on. You can Google stories of TV news anchors that had that made phone calls or they went to the bathroom. Yes. because they didn't they didn't unhook. Right, right. That's right. the same thing. It basically, I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised at that. Because he has he has a history of saying oh, yeah. things yeah. unreal, unlike yeah. Howard, Howard Stern. Stern right? Exactly. But yeah. it was supposed to be what sunk him, because it proved air quotes that he was a pig. And the mm-hmm. only people that they were really surprised about is that Billy Bush was kind of didn't you know, call him out yeah, on his bullshit. Yeah, how, yeah. You know, oh, you know, hi, you're the best. But yeah, high know, five. You, you don't you don't get to that role. To not be attentive to famous people. Not salacious example of this is I had a boss at one time who we got into a conversation about affirmative action and a few other things like that. And he said, you know, I think it all should just come down to exactly who is um, qualified to do a job. And I said, sure. But let's say you have two equally qualified people and you've gone out with one of them at two o'clock in the morning and had a few beers or done whatever that you've done and the other person you've not done that with because there may be not going back to a specific example because we were all at a work event and the guys went out to something and it was late at night and I elected to go back to the hotel and go to bed because it was midnight and I knew that if I went out there were nothing good was going to come and me going out till two or three o'clock in the morning with meetings starting at eight thirty. I'm not gonna be productive. Morning. No. So I was like, I'm going back and going to bed. And so the guys went out and, and deals were presumably done and things like that and, and, and shenanigans happened that I heard about after the fact. And I, you know, I said the difference is if I had insisted on going with you guys that night. It would have been a different night. It would have been a different night. Completely different. The shenanigans you got oh, no. up to would, would not have happened. Mm-hmm. The whole night that you had would not the, have happened. The, so the bonding that yeah. you had 
the cavalcade of strip clubs that they attended. I'm not saying would, that's what would they not did. have. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what they did. I didn't <laughs> ask what they did. I'm saying there were things that went on that probably would not have gone on had I been there. And I said, but that automatically puts me at an unfair yeah. advantage. This, this is the golf course deal right? that you are not privy to. Although I do play a mediocre round of golf. <laughs> I can drive a golf cart and drink beer. I'll say that much. I can get straight, but not far. I can. <laughs> That's better than the. And I drive. I drive, yeah. I drive yeah. with a three wood. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think we should have you on uh, every periodically half dozen or so episodes. Kind of you know. I or, think or when, when when there's chiding to be done. When, whenever. <laughs> Whenever the female perspective needs to come on the show, oh god, and, it's going to be next week. If yeah, you and call us so. on our bullshit. Then you're you're more than no, welcome to no, join no. us. I don't think we need that quite that frequent. Somebody somebody hold their uh, hand over Jerry's mouth. Being that we are the official podcast of we the are yeah, not. yeah yeah <laughs> of, of, of Mash M A S H Marietta Atheist Skeptics and Humans. We are going to make a concerted effort to bring more of the members on. We've got a good core here. A different perspective is always absolutely uh, needed. That's be great. Anyway, I appreciate you coming on. Anytime, just reach out, and you're more than welcome to join us again. So, until next time. Now, it's 2018. We've we've made it through the holiday season. We are going to make a concerted effort to try and do this on a biweekly basis. Stick with us. And we'll we'll see you in a couple weeks. Good night, everybody. Good night. night. Cheers. Someone in the party and the devil is my friend. Yeah, the devil is my friend.